What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of OT Takes, Overtime Takes, whatever you want to call it. Today, I have two very special guests from a new podcast dropping this Friday called Too Many Audibles, and my guests are Cameron and Bryce. How are y'all doing? Good, man. How, How are, are you? Doing? I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing good. good, man. It's good to be on. Hey, it's it's great to have y'all. I'm really excited for y'all's podcast. I think it's, it's going to be good. I know Bryce pretty well. I just met Cameron, but knowing Bryce, I, I'm pretty confident that you know they're going to put out some pretty quality content. So I know that a big part of y'all's podcast is going to be fantasy football, right? Yeah, we're... Uh, go ahead, Cameron. I was going to say, it's definitely going to be a large uh, portion of it with fantasy just now kicking off, but I think we definitely plan on hitting most all topics, especially the bubble and college football coming off, but... We will be doing some fantasy takes as well. That's good. So Bryce was telling me y'all had y'all's fantasy draft the other night. So just kind of give me a quick rundown of y'all's teams and maybe some players that you guys are expecting to have some some big years. You can kick us off, Cameron. Yeah, I mean, I guess me personally, man, I I don't do any scouting, any planning on on fantasy. I've won two championships off winging it alone, so I've got a pretty good <laughs> record for going that way. There you go. Uh, my best player. My best player is Michael Thomas, so I, I need him to step it up and pretty much repeat what he did last year. Uh, other than that, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Running back's kind of looking thin. I got uh, Mostert from San Francisco and Adam Jones, or Aaron Jones, I apologize, at Green Bay. But other than that, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I got Thielen, Watson at QB, and Thomas and Tyree Kill at the receiver. So I'm looking pretty stout, but I'm going to make some trades. We're going to make it happen. It's good. What about you, Bryce? Yeah, so – I, unlike Cameron, I did my research like I do every year, and maybe I took it to the extremes <laughs> a little bit too much. And so everything I was picking up this year was this really running back heavy, you know, draft, which it normally is, but this year especially. So all the experts were saying you really need to come over running back early and soon. So me having the first pick, you know, I, I wasn't going to mess it up. I wasn't going to take a gamble. So I went with McCaffrey, you know. He's a queer, uh, clear, uh, unquestioned leader. I think – I, re- I was reading he had 72 more points in the second best back. So, like, you know you know what you're getting with him. Yeah. And then so I picked, I think it was 20th or 19th next, and Devontae Adams was open. And so I could have went running back again, but, you know, I just decided to bite the bullet and go ahead and, you know, kind of round up my team. Devontae Adams, I think he was, besides Chris Godwin, you know, the best in the league last year. And then Kittle fell to my lap. And last year the biggest problem with me was I was, was streaming tight ends the whole year. And really hurt me out, hurt me a lot. So I decided to go ahead and get Kittle, and so then I kind of rounded out the next two rounds with uh, David Johnson. I kind of took a gamble on him. We'll see what he does in uh, Houston. And then I got James Conner, and when those guys are healthy, you know what they can do. So, and then I kind of, and then you know I wait to the very last pick to get defense. But you know I kind of picked up some sleepers. So we'll see how it turns out, man. Sounds good. I'm excited. Um, you were, Bryce was telling me earlier today about y'all's draft a little bit and. Somebody took Joe Burrow a little bit too early, so I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to kind of hear y'all y'all talk about that on y'all's podcast. So with that, y'all, y'all ready to hop into our, our topics for today? Yeah, man, of course. So leading it off, so if you watched TV last night, you were probably watching basketball and you were probably watching Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray just go absolutely crazy again. So just kind of give me y'all's some quick takes on Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. Just kind of like, what, what, what do you think of the two, especially right now? Just kind of give me a, a rundown of what y'all have kind of seen through, you know, this first playoff series. Ahead, Honestly, I'm I'm just sitting back and enjoying the show. Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, I think they are becoming bona fide stars right before our very eyes. And I will say Jamal Murray, I, I heard I saw an interesting stat today. 
Jamal Murray is actually averaging 15 points more per game in these playoffs in the regular season. I mean, that's almost unheard of. Yeah. So he's averaging – so I was do, doing my research for today's pod, and he's – you said Mitchell or Murray? You said Murray, right? Murray, yeah. yeah. So Murray for the series is averaging 34 points a game, 6.7 assists per game, and 6.2 rebounds while shooting 57% from three and 48% from the floor. Which is just smoking hot, ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, I think that like if you if you look game by game, I think a lot of people would be tempted to say that Mitchell has definitely played better overall for the series, which is crazy to say in and of itself. But let's, looking at Murray's numbers, you know, I'm definitely more imp- excuse me. Looking at Mitchell's numbers, I'm definitely more impressed with Murray, just because of how how much more efficient Jamal Murray's been, right? So. Mitchell's averaging 38 points a game with four assists and five rebounds, only shooting 37% from three, which is still pretty good. But I mean, it's not it's not 57% by any by any mean, and he's only shooting 43% from the floor. So he's hasn't been quite as efficient as Jamal Murray, but you know, obviously, you know, he's still been doing pretty well himself. So, what about you, Bryce? What do you think of of the two kind of through this series? Yeah. So honestly, you know, Don- Donovan Mitchell, he read the room. You know, he's unquestioned star there. You know, that's a given. And so him, I mean, him and Conley, you know, they make for a good one-two punch. And so, you know, Donovan Mitchell really had to step up. Jordan Clarkson is doing pretty good. Rudy Gobert, you know, he, he does his thing. But it's Donovan Mitchell who's still in the show. And so really to see him step up, you know, in crunch time has been really impressive. And so I'm excited to see how, you know, this final game turns out. As far as the Nuggets go, Jamal Murray, it's, it's unreal, dude. He's tearing it up. Conley. You know, all those guys, they're inc- incredible. Jochich is doing well. Um, Porter, you know, he's not really doing much. Plumley, I'm a big Plumley fan. He's not He's not even getting any minutes, so I'm not really <laughs> – I'm, I'm kind of upset about that. But, yeah, I'm liking how it's turning out, man. It's looking good. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm, you know this is one of those things where I think we were kind of waiting on something like this to happen for, for Mitchell – just because, you know, early on, you know, his rookie year, you know, like, it was obvious. The guy's super athletic. Reminds me a lot of Dwayne Wade, honestly, except he's probably a better three-point shooter. And so, I think, you know, we're just kind of – I was just kind of waiting on Mitchell to kind of come out and have, you know, a series like this in the playoffs at some point. Wasn't expecting 38 points a game. Like, don't, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong there. No, definitely not. But the Jamal Murray thing has really surprised me, but I also think it's really important for Denver just because – you know, like when your go-to guy is a guard, he it's so much easier just to get him the ball, just because you know he he can bring it up the floor. You know, whereas a guy like Jokic, you know, you got a guard has to bring the ball up the floor and then make a good pass to Jokic. And the other thing is like Jokic is a very unselfish player, so I think it's really important to have another guy around him who's more aggressive and looks for a shot. So I think you know Jamal Murray developing like this, I think is a big deal. I think for the Nuggets, not only like for this, you know, playoff run, but especially for like the years to come. So, did you uh, watch Murray's interview after his fifty-point game? I did, man. It was well, which which one? He's had two of them. <laughs> well, the, the I, one from last I, night, though. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah, that's yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely touching, you know. Um, especially, you know, with the time, but the times like these in America where there's so much divide, whether it's politically or on Black Lives Matter or things like that. It's just really cool to see a group of people, you know, like like the NBA is doing, yeah, for you know, sure. c- coming together and rallying around something. So it's it's really cool to see. Yeah, definitely, dude. It's hard not to root for Murray right now. I think the honestly, I think the saddest part about this series is 
with Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell both going off, it's it's a shame that whoever loses is we're gonna basically forget their performance. Yeah, yeah, I to- totally agree. Especially like you know, in a couple of weeks we'll, we'll still remember it, but you know, two three years from now, you're right, man. Like I don't, I, we won't remember it as well. So speaking of winning and losing, who do y'all have winning Game Seven tomorrow night? Um, I'm I'm going with the Nuggets. I think that I watched them do this almost exact same thing against the Spurs. What was it in the semifinals last year, I believe, or maybe in the opening round, where they came back three one, and ended up Murray actually hit the big shot to win them in Game Seven last year, and now we're seeing yeah. the same thing happen this year. This just team has a lot of resilience, a lot of fight. I think they've got it, and. Truthfully, I'm rooting for them. I think they match up a lot better and present more problems for the Clippers going forward. So, Yeah. What about you, Bryce? What are you thinking for Game 7? i got to follow suit with Cameron. I think the Nuggets, um, it will be a lot closer than people think. You know, kind of what we've seen the last couple of games, like last night is 119-107. So I think it will be a lot closer than, you know, what people think. So I think Jokic and Murray and uh, Murray, I think that they just create too much problems that, you know, well, I mean, we'll see how Donovan Mitchell does, but, you know, he can't do it all, man. He can score 44 points, but unless the, unless the rest of his teammates are on it, you know, he just can't he can't completely do it all. So unless uh, unless the Jazz really step up, and I see the Nuggets pulling this one out. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I, I like the Nuggets to win as well. I just think they're deeper. Like, they're, they're just better. They have more. For sure. They have more guys offensively who they can give the ball to who can score, you know, like – like you, like you made a great point. Like for the Jazz, it's like Donovan Mitchell has to get forty to forty-five, or else they're probably not going to win, right? And I just, you know, Conley, I guess, could be their second score, but he's just been too up and down throughout the season. I don't really trust him. Whereas, you know, like you know, Murray may have a, a bad game and only go get twenty, and but Jokic could go get thirty-five, and Michael Porter Jr. can get you twenty, and I just think that they're just deeper offensively. So I, I like the Nuggets to win, and, and I'm, I believe when. When you when you look at the Jazz too, it's it's pretty much Donovan Mitchell is the primary ball handler. Yeah. Whereas the Nuggets, you know, Jokic he can create plays and create passes and get other people involved. Where you know down low it's pretty much Rudy Gobert, but he's just kind of clogs up the lane, plays defense. He's not somebody that's going to distribute and go get you thirty or forty on any given night. Yeah. So advantage Nuggets for sure. Yeah. So I, I like the Nuggets. Um, I'm 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 kind of excited. I'm very excited to watch them play the Clippers just because of how great the Nuggets offense is and just knowing how great of a defensive team the Clippers are. You know, I think people have forgotten how great defensively the Clippers are after watching them play the Mavs, who have the number one offensive efficiency rating in the history of the NBA. So everybody's defense is going to look bad against them. So I'm I'm just I'm excited to kind of see the Clippers and how they kind of respond in this next series defensively. So so with that, we're going to move on to a game that's actually going on right now while we're recording. The Bucks are playing the Heat right now, and it's commercial. I've got it going on in the background, so I was going to check the score, but that didn't really work out. <laughs> so kind of give me uh, an overview of the series, like some different matchups that y'all are looking forward to and things like that. I'm pretty interested to see if um, I want to say, if I pronounce his name wrong, Adebayo. Adebayo, yeah. I'm interested. I'm interested to see if he can even slow down Giannis just a little bit to make, you know, to keep this series close in the long run. Because, you know, any team led by Jimmy Butler, man, they got a lot of fight in them. They got that dog in on that team. So they're not going to go down easy. But the key is finding a way to clog the paint and slow down Giannis if you can. Yeah, that's a good point. What about you, Bryce? What are you kind of looking forward to, to watching this series? Well, 
I wouldn't say looking forward to as much as I'm I'm already pretty much confident in the fact that the Bucks got this in the bag. I think Middleton and uh Antenton Kumpo, you know, that you know what you know what they can do. Brian Lopez is really stepping up. He's emerging, you know, we've always seen what Brian Lopez can do, but he's really emerging in this series as a good center. Um, you know, outside of that for the Heat, um, you know, Butler, he's an he's the unquestioned leader. Dragic, is that how you pronounce his name? Dragic. Yes, yeah, he he's he's a good uh, he's a good complimentary <laughs> piece. He's got twenty seven right now. That's not bad. Um, yeah, and you know you got Jay Crowder. He's he does his thing. He he can average about forty minutes and only get like nine points. So we'll see if he can step up. But I, I think the Bucks got this in the bag. I wouldn't oversweat it too much. The Heat will put up a fight, but I think the Bucks winning in six. Yeah, so I've I like the Bucks in six as well. But I really think it's going to be a close, hard-fought series. Like it's it's going to put some wear and tear on the Bucks, man. Just because you know the Heat are a great defensive team, and they've got multiple guys who they can throw out on the perimeter to try and guard Giannis. You know they've got obviously you know Jimmy Butler's the first guy that comes to mind, but they have Iguodala as well. You know they they picked him up earlier this year, so sure. like, I think those two guys are definitely going to give Giannis some problems. And then obviously you know you got. Adebayo, who's who's guard, who's your your rim protector, who's more than capable. You know he's a finalist this year for defensive player of the year. So definitely watch out for him as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think the series is going to be good. I think I think every game is going to be close. But I just you know the Bucks are the best defensive team in the league more than likely. It's probably th- them or the Clippers. And I just Giannis is just, I think it's just going to be a little bit too much for him. So I, I like the Bucks in six. Good take. I, I do agree with that. Bucks and six seems to be the most likely, but I, I would not put it past the Heat. Going into the playoffs, the Bucks dropped. I want to say what was it? Eight? Or not eight? I'm sorry, six of the ten games in the bubble. So now whether they just locked up the one seed and kind of coasted through, what have you, they kind of seem like they lost their champ or their defensive pedigree there for a while. And I mean that. The the magic gave them struggles there for a little bit. They they ended up putting them away. But I like the Heat to push this maybe to seven personally. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. I just don't know if the Heat have enough offensively. You know, I think that you know for it to go to seven, you're gonna need some big help from the bench mainly. You know, like uh, T- Tyler Hero, who I think is gonna be a great pro. You know, he, it's his, yeah. he's a rookie this year out, out of Kentucky. He looks really good. Not afraid of the moment. I think in order for it to go seven, he's going to need to average between fifteen and twenty, and Dragic is going to have to play well as as well. So I think you know, if, yeah. So if, if both of those guys step up, I, I I do think it could go seven, and the Heat could possibly win the series. But it's just hard for me to trust you know a rookie, you know, in the middle of in the middle of Orlando. It's like it's not it's like he's even playing home games, you know. <laughs> so I just because of that, I'm a little hesitant to pull the trigger on the Heat. But like you said, like if if they pulled it off. You know, a team led by J- Jimmy Butler, I think, always has a shot just because of how hard hard they're going to play. So, I mean, they could do it. I just – Bucks and six. It's just – I'm predicting the Bucks win the series as well. Yeah. So, in, in seven or in six? I'm going to go seven. I'm okay. going to go seven. My like X factor, it. I'm going to look at Duncan Robinson. He's okay. liable to catch fire from the three any game. Yeah. So, watch out for him. That's true. He he did – man, he had the – he had the one game against the Pacers where he hit like seven or eight, and was just I, I watched that game. He was like seven for seven at one point, and he was he was good. He was really good that game. So, yeah. So next series that we're gonna look at is this is the one that I'm excited about: uh, the Celtics and the Raptors. Uh, the Celtics are already up one zero. They they played their first game last night, and Cameron's 
shaking his hands. He's he's excited to talk about this, so I'm, I'm going to let him go first. I'm calling it right now. Celtics are about to sweep the Raptors. I think, oh, think they're hot sweep take. Them. Yes, hot take. They're about to sweep the Raptors. Now, the Raptors are nice, but this is not Kawhi Leonard's Raptors. And while we're looking at it, who I can't, I can't think of who they played. Who did the Raptors just sweep themselves? Uh, the Nets. The Nets, exactly. The Nets with no KD, no Kyrie down in the bubble. Now, they've got a lot of team chemistry, so I'm no surprise they got through there. But the Celtics have the best starting five in the bubble from top to bottom. Like Jason Tatum and Kimball Walker, in my opinion. You can make an argument for the Clippers if you. Yeah, I I, I like I like the Clippers a little bit more, but I I, I do see what you're saying though, because I'm with you, I'm with you. I've I've got the Celtics in five. I think that they're a lot better than the Raptors. The Raptors don't have a true one. You know, they're having Siakam kind of fill in right now, kind of playing in that Kawhi Leonard role. But I don't think he's he's good enough to be in that role. Like he's a really good two. I don't think he's a one. So that's kind of where. That's kind of why I don't really like the Raptors, but yeah, I, I like the Celtics. Uh, I like them to beat the Bucks as well in the in the Eastern Conference Finals and, and represent the East. I don't believe the Raptors will shoot ten for forty from three next game. I, I <laughs> highly unlikely on that, but yeah, I do expect. I expect the Celtics. I, I'm thinking sweep this year or this series. Wow, man, that's that's a hot take. I like it though. That's that's what we like here on, on overtime takes. So, what about you, Bryce? What do you kind of what are you thinking about the the Celtics and the Raptors? Well, I'm already regretting what I told Cameron the other night because I told him I have the Raptors making it back to the finals. But <laughs> see, seeing how uh, last game went, I uh, I uh, starting to kind of question what I said. But it's it's obvious, you know, Nick Nurse's teams, Raptors, are really good defensive team. Siakam's good. Van Fleet, he can go on runs, you know, out of nowhere. He was, he, you saw what he did last year in the finals. Kyle Lowry, you know, he is, he's up and down more than people like to admit, but he's still their unquestioned star. Um, Serge Ibaka, he can do, he can do good things on any given night, but on this other side of the spectrum, you know, Celtics, you got Tatum. You know, I'm a, I was a huge, I'm a huge Hornets fan. And so I love Kemba Walker and just seeing what he did in Charlotte, you know, when nobody now surrounding him with actually competent players, you know, I like for him to, you know, really take charge this series. You know, that's cliche, but, you know, it's, it's the truth. Marcus Smart, you know, he can do – he can be a really nice uh, number two piece for uh, Kemba. So, yeah, I'm starting to I'm starting to kind of regret what I said the other night, Cameron. If, if they do get swept, you know, I will gladly – I'll take you out for some food one day and, you know, pay it up. So, pay it forward. But. <laughs> so. Uh, you ain't got to do that. Celtics <laughs> are going to make nice food of the Raptors on their own. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I guess next we're going to talk about the game that's coming on here in a few minutes. It may have already started. Uh, the Thunder and the Rockets play tonight. Winner of this series will play the Lakers. So going to give me a, a, a quick prediction. Do you all think the Thunder end up coming back and winning in seven, or, or do you all think the Rockets close it out tonight? I expect the Rockets to close it out tonight. With Russ being back for the second game, I, hopefully James Harden does not turn into James Harden of playoffs past. I, ex- I do expect them to close it out tonight. They're they're hot. I think they've got it. What about you, Bryce? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, I like the Rockets as well. Um, I just don't – If when you're looking at the Thunder's roster, it's, I mean, outside of Chris Paul, it gets really shaky. Uh, Steven Adams, a.k.a. Aquaman, he's, he's – you know, he does his thing at the center position. But outside of that, it's just – it's the Chris Paul show, really. And so I think Harden – I think Harden, he'll flip a switch – 
and he'll probably shoot for about 40, and I just like the way he handles things. And, you know, Westbrook coming back, I'll be a big boost. P.J. Tucker, Gordon, Covington, you know, those guys. It makes for really deep rotation. So, yeah, I think the Rockets close this one out, honestly, and I'll, I'll be willing to put some money on that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think the Rockets close it out tonight. I think Harden has a really good game today or tonight. You know, wouldn't be surprised if he went and got 40, 45, um, so yeah, I'm Rockets close it out tonight. You know, the Thunder had a good run. Um, Billy Donovan should have been the coach of the year, but that's a topic for another day. <laughs> um, so yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, like you said, you know, the Thunder just don't really have enough firepower to, to hang with the Rockets. So being that, you know, we all think this and, you know, I'm always right over here on, on OT takes. That means that the Rockets are going to win tonight. So it looks like we're going to have a, a Lakers Rocket series, which I think is what a lot of people assumed in the first place. So, what are y'all kind of looking forward to if we end up getting that matchup? Bryce, I'm gonna let you take this one first. Hey, you're the Lakers expert now. That should be you jumping on this one. But I, yeah, I can I can take it away. Well, my Lakers, I, I claim the Lakers is my team too. So I, you know, I don't I don't know what words can describe playoff LeBron. You know. He's just <laughs> I, it's, it's just greatness unfolding before our eyes. And, you know, I've, I've really been impressed with, you know, him and obviously him and AD, everyone know what, you know, what they can do coming in. But, you know, they're just the unquestioned leaders. And when McGee, when McGee's doing his thing, you know, he's a really good center. He, a lot of people don't give enough respect, I don't feel like. Um, the only, only really question mark I have is Danny Green. You know, he's – when he comes out in the court, it's usually just like bricks. It's, he could build a house with those bricks. And then, you know, <laughs> you got the white mamba, Alex Caruso himself. You know, he's, he does his thing. He's good. So, I don't know. Basically, what I'm getting at is I really like the Lakers a lot. You know, I've always been on the Lakers. And, you know, I feel like I feel like this could honestly be their year. I honestly ha- I picked them to win it all. So, um, I just don't think – I think Harden can really give them a lot more trouble than what people expect. You know, people always – always already knew it was going to be close, but I don't think people realize how close it'll be with Harden and Westbrook in the fold. You know, they'll definitely they'll definitely give LeBron and uh, Davis the run for their money. So, I, I don't know. I I wouldn't be willing to say seven games, but, you know, I, I could definitely see it. I could definitely see it coming down to game seven and then LeBron just putting it away in the final minutes. That's, you know, that's kind of a bold prediction, but, you know, that's how I see it going. So, Cameron? I'm taking Lakers in six, assuming it's the Rockets. Just get this out of the way. If it's the Thunder, I think they'll handle them in five. But we all agree it's the Rockets. I think they'll take the Rockets in six. The main reason is the Rockets like to play small ball, and the Lakers are one of the biggest teams down low. I mean, you got the twin towers, if you want to call them, with JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis, and then Dwight Howard playing great minutes in defense, grabbing rebounds off the bench. So I I do like – I mean – if the Rockets, I mean, if they go out there and they shoot 38 40% from the three, which they're liable to do at other times, yeah, it's going to be hard to beat them. But most games, I do like LeBron and AD because there is not a single team in the NBA that has an answer for Anthony Davis when he's deciding to do what he does best, and that's take the ball to the hole and just be a dog. Yeah. So this is a really tough series for me just because I am – one of the few people my age who is not a LeBron fan. And James Harden is probably my least favorite player in the NBA. With that being said. <laughs> least favorite. Can't stand him, man. He drives me crazy. 
Like, he's really good. What is good. it about Harden? Huh? What is it about Harden that makes just, him so unlikable? Just the way he plays, man. I just think it's, you know, the cheap fouls that he draws. And, like, it's smart. Like, I totally get it. Like, it's about winning, you know. And just the way he plays just kind of gets under my skin. But with that being said, obviously, he's a great player. Don't want to take anything away from him. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And so, with that being said, though, I I either, I think the series goes one of three ways, I think, or one, one of two ways, excuse me. I think either the Lakers go out and they 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 sweep or, or, or it goes seven. I don't really see it going anywhere in between. Just because, you know, you, you touched on it, Cameron, just the, the clash of styles, right? And, you know, when you talk about when anybody plays the Lakers, you know, the first questions you always get are who's, who's you know, Who's going to guard AD and who's going to guard LeBron, right? Well, who's Anthony Davis going to guard? Because, I mean, he can't. I mean, P.J. Tucker, I guess. But then again, you know, that takes away one of the benefits of having guys like him and JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard on the floors. They can't sit by the basket and protect the rim, which is what all three of those guys do really well. And so I think that kind of pulls away from the Lakers. So it's going to be a really interesting series just because of of the clash in styles. But, yeah. I, I I think it goes seven though, and I, I like the Lakers to win at seven, but I'm just I'm so, so intrigued by this small ball versus, you know, this tall long lineup of the Lakers. Well, that's why I say it depends on how hot the Rockets come out because if they're yeah. just if they're hot from three, then I mean that it's hard to compete with them. But if they're missing, they're gonna get out rebounded by easily twenty or thirty each game if they're not on their game. Yeah, and I do I do expect LeBron to kind of what's it predict the tempo you know he's he's gonna dictate the tempo of the game and he, he's gonna try to slow it down and but i i like the lakers yeah we'll see. i just man I, I think it's gonna be a good series i'm really excited for that series and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun um i'm looking forward to the threes versus kind of this new school rockets team that i think definitely embraces everything analytical about basketball now versus kind of old school lakers team that's built around size and being able to score in the paint. And that's always been kind of – that's my concern for the Lakers this year is there. I think that in order for them to win this series, they're going to have to consistently hit threes, and they just don't – they don't have enough three-point shooters. That's always That's been my one knock on them the whole year. Danny Green and Kuzma's going to have to step up. Uh, Caldwell Pope's been nice, though. He, yeah. he picked it up after game one of the <laughs> – Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. So, next – so I, we all agreed on the Nuggets, but it could very well be the Jazz. So the, the Clippers and the Nuggets are Jazz. Honestly, I think the Clippers beat whichever team they play in five just because, you know, if you've watched the Nuggets and Jazz series, neither team plays defense. And the Clippers have they, – they can score, obviously. You know, they got two of the best offensive players in the league and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, not to mention arguably the two best bench players in the league with, with Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell coming off the bench. So, I mean – it is, man, and I, neither team defends well enough to really hang with the Clippers, so I, I like the Clippers to beat either team in five. Who's uh, Marcus Morris going to pick on now that uh, that um, <laughs> uh, Luca's gone? Yeah, I mean, we, we can get into this. What, what do y'all think about Marcus Morris? Is he, y'all see, is he dirty? What, what do y'all kind of think? Is he dirty? I mean, come on, that man's got a history since college he, he's a dirty he's a dirty player you call it a hard hard player dirty player I, he's not Draymond Green dirty he's not going around kicking people in the groin but I mean it was questionable when he stepped on Luca's ankle and he tried to cover it up by grabbing the shoe and helping him up but I mean they were just going at it all series and then that 
the hard foul in yesterday's game six, I think it kind of showed it was personal. Bryce, what are you thinking? Um, I kind of, me and Cameron kind of, you know, shared our ideas about this. I thought, from what I saw, I thought Luca was kind of, I don't know, even I think Luca was kind of, you know, taken to the extremes a bit, maybe. But you know, at the same time, you know, I, Marcus Morris, you know, they're definitely beefing. There's definitely something going on. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up another flagrant, you know, in the next series. Maybe definitely two flagrants. See, um, that's just his style of play, man. That's just how he is. He's he's you know he's always going at it and you know if he decides he doesn't like somebody you better you better wish them well because you know Marcus Morris is coming for him. He's yeah. already got two flagrants, one more, and he'll have to miss a game. I'm predicting that if the Clippers do go to the conference finals, which I don't think they will, but if they do, I do think he will miss a game. Wow, I don't know. I think look, obviously, like I'm total agreement that like the foul yes. I I'm, I'm a I'm a Mavericks fan. So this is coming from a dude who loves Luca and those guys. So, yeah, Luca legend. That's who he is, man. So he, so I'm with y'all. I do think that, you know, the the ankle thing, especially now, is questionable after the foul yesterday. I don't, I don't think yesterday's foul should have been a flagrant too, even though it met all the criteria or whatever the term is. I I think it was more of a flagrant one you know did he hit him in the head yes he also got the ball so I just and you know he plays hard and guys like him and Patrick Beverly and guys who play hard defensively and rebound and do all the little things I really like guys like that because if you want to be on a winning ball club like you have to have guys who are willing to do those things so Marcus Morris is a guy that I really you know like watching play you know he's tougher he's a little more old school but after you know this after the whole thing with Luka and everything you know, I, I definitely don't blame people if they want to say that he's dirty. I think that he's he he likes to to walk the line. <laughs> I think that's kind of, I mean, because like like well, officials officials watch film too. Yeah, and I think they went back and they looked at what game one it was Marcus Morris getting in a scuffle with Luca that ultimately led to Porzingis ejection, which I disagree with. Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. And then you see the then you see game. I think it was game five, the ankle stepping on it. Mm-hmm. He runs 26 feet and makes it takes an awkward step to step on it. I think the refs saw that, and then when they took that into game six, they just they nipped it in the butt early and yeah. said, we're not having that, and they just got him out of there. Totally agree. I t- totally agree with that. But, I mean, before this series, you know, Morris has definitely gotten his fair share of scuffles and thing like things like that, but we've never seen him purposely try and hurt a guy. Like, that's why I'm a little hesitant to call him dirty. Well, do you not remember uh, the preseason game a couple of years ago when he kneed Ben Simmons in the head? They I don't remember that. on the floor. That's yeah, right. absolutely. They uh, dove after the ball, and I think Simmons somehow ended up on the ground, and Morris was on top of him. He ended up kind of dropping that knee on his head, and they kind of got into it. So I forgot about I that. I may be alone. I just think he's a dirty player. Yeah. It's, it's a fair take. I'm not going to be too, too upset with it. But – I am I am excited to watch the rotation of the Clippers' several great perimeter defenders guard either Mitchell or Murray, right? Because like we're gonna have a Kawhi versus Mitchell or Murray, a Paul George versus Mitchell or Murray. Uh, hopefully, you know Patrick Beverly's calf will be all healed up, so we'll, we'll be able to watch him play, and he'll be guarding one of those two guys as well. And even Morris, who is he's he's a good perimeter defender as well. So just to kind of see those four guys kind of rotate over whoever the big perimeter star is for the other team. So. I think that that's going to be you know a, a lot of fun to watch as, as the series kind of unfolds. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I think it'll be a good series regardless. But I do have Nuggets in six 
if it goes Nuggets, but really? I do think the Clippers will beat the Jazz. So why do you think that the Nuggets will beat the Clippers? To be honest with you, I'm not sold on the Clippers' defense the way everyone else is. I mean, I know they've got the talent and they've got the stars, but I have yet to see it all season. I mean, they've consistently they get torched. Devin Booker torches them. You watch Luka do it pretty much by himself all series. I mean – They've they've got they've got the guys. I mean, there's no denying the greatness of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the perimeter when it comes to their defense, and you throw Marcus Morris and Pat Bev in there as well. But there's just something about respecting the regular season that they have not done by sitting out so many games, and I just I believe it's going to come back to bite them. And I like the Nuggets mainly because of Jokic's ability to run the offense through him as well. If they were to slow down Murray, which I believe Murray won't average the numbers he's averaging now. Oh, but, no way. But I do. I like I like the Nuggets. I mean, I won't be surprised to see the Clippers, but I'm taking the Nuggets if they make it. Yeah, it's it's fair. I, I see what you're saying with Jokic because the Clippers definitely don't have anybody who can who can really match up with him. I'm just concerned about their defense. I don't, they don't defend very well. That's, that's my concern with them. Well, hey, depending on what uh, version of Paul George shows up, they may not have to worry about defending him. I may not. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So do y'all have any? Sometimes. Y'all have any more thoughts? Actually, Bryce, we haven't asked you your your uh, prediction for the series. One word: Clippers. Okay. <laughs> My guy. I don't. I don't even have to delve into that either. I. I'm just. I'm so strongly on the Clippers. And man, a few words. When uh, Kawhi gets his new uh, update, when he uh, reboots and you know adds some new uh, robotic <laughs> parts to his arsenal, I think he can really step it up in this next series. So. And you get some new knees. Yeah. <laughs> so, do y'all have any more basketball thoughts at all before we kind of move into into some NFL related stuff? I'm ready for NFL whenever you are. I'm excited. Just have football back. Let's go. So, last thing before we before we go football, the Miami Heat are about to go up 1-0 against the Bucks. They're up 113 to 104 with about 25 seconds left. So, oh, okay. So yeah, so it, it, my heat up one zero. It looks like it's gonna happen. So, yeah. For what it's worth, though, the Magic did still win against they did. the Bucks game <laughs> one, though. Also, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so let's go to the NFL. So I think you know the lead story today is definitely you know Fournette being released by the Jaguars. So what are y'all's you know what were y'all's initials rea- initial reactions to that when y'all saw that? It it's clear as day that the Jaguars are in pure rebuilding mode if you already didn't know now you now you truly do know and uh, I think um, I think you know I got a few opinions on where he'll uh, end up at but and I'm I've never been a Fournette fan I think he's a prima donna he's a diva you know so just let's just hope he kept that hundred dollar bill he uh, taped to his uh, his pads <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's gonna need it right now what about you Cameron what are you thinking yeah, I mean, it, it, like Bryce said, it's clear. I think the uh, I think the Jaguars are going full in on hashtag tank for Trevor. That's what I believe the ultimate goal here is. <laughs> yeah, Minshew is not the answer. I like Minshew. He's I think he's awesome, but you know I think it's I think it's Trevor Fields in this upcoming draft. Mustache Minshew, mustache Minshew. You gotta love him. <laughs> but yeah, I was really surprised this morning as well. You know, there had been reports earlier. You know this offseason about how they were really looking to trade him so they could at least get something, but they ended up releasing him, which I just think is so interesting. You know, like you, I, I figure, 
you know, you keep him through, you know, the first two or three weeks in the season, maybe has a good first few weeks, some some other team's running back goes down, and then maybe they, they, they trade for him or something. But, you know, they, they released him, and, you know, I've got three teams that I could see possibly taking him. So I'm going to start with the – there's two teams that I don't think will, but I think Fournette would fit with possibly. And then the last team I, I really think might really go and make a push for him. So – the Los Angeles Rams, I think, are a team that that might go and get him. You know, for, you know, the Rams were at their best when Todd Gurley was playing really well, and they need some kind of power back who can run b- between the tackles. And Leonard Fournette really fills that need because you know I, I love Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff's much better than what people think, and but he's not you know Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or these guys who can just carry an offense. Like he needs a good running game, and I think Leonard Fournette would be a great running back for them to go and pick up to kind of fulfill that need. The other team that, that could go get him, Miami, they need a running back. Yeah. They're kind of rebuilding, and their culture is really good right now. So I don't know if Brian Flores really wants to go out and get a guy like Leonard Fournette, who you said Bryce can be kind of a diva. So we'll see you know, if they make a push for him. And this team, I really think should go get him because they don't have a running back. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh. They don't have a running okay. back. Well, they just signed Shady? He's old, man. He's not... You know, five or six years ago, I'd say they don't need him, but, you know, he's just older, you know, and he's not in every down back like a guy like Fournette is. And so I'd really, I really expect for the Buccaneers to go out and try and sign him. And you don't have to worry about him being a problem because you've got Tom Brady on your team. And everybody cooperates when you have Tom Brady on your team. Um, I have a few, I have a few interjections to what you had to say, Jonathan. Um, okay. So I am. As you know, I'm a Florida State fan, and Cam Akers, he's my boy. You saw what he did at Florida State. I think the Rams, I don't think the Rams need Fournette. I think Akers, and they have uh, they have Daryl Henderson, if I'm correct, right? I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, they have, well, Cam Akers, man, I think he's the answer in L.A. You know, he's getting high praise from Jalen Ramsey. I mean, granted, they were teammates in college, but I think Cam Akers is the answer. I, I honestly think, I, I do agree with you on the Dolphins. I think... I think the Dolphins are the most likely landing spot for him. Uh, don't buy into the Steelers hype, like Cameron was saying earlier. Um, you know, they have Jalen Samuels, James Conner, you know, Benny Snell. Steelers do not need Fournette, and I will, I will, you know, take that to the grave. But, yeah, I think, I think the Dolphins are the most likely landing spot. They have the cap space, no doubt. You know, they pretty much they flipped their entire team this past year and during the offseason. So, I think Fournette – ends up in Miami, you know. I don't Tom Brady's kind of kind of controlling who comes in and out of Tampa. You know, he's kind of the LeBron of the NFL world where he gets to pick his teammates in a way. So, I don't I don't really see Brady wanting to play with Fournette. You know, Ronald Jones is a good piece in Tampa, and I think I've been seeing nothing but praise for Ronald Jones from Brady. So, I think I do agree with you on the Miami take, Jonathan. I think he ends up in Miami. Um uh, he he's he's stated several times how he's like to uh, he wants to stay close and he he likes the Florida area a lot. So, um, which also another interesting point is uh, Doug Marone. He was a lot of people will be quick to say, well, why didn't they just trade him? You know, they could have gotten something for Fournette. Doug Marone he said he can't get a team to buy even on a seventh round pick for Fournette. So I don't know if that's cap related or you know teams are really picking up into that negative personality that he has, but. You know, I, I think, think that, that absolutely shows how bad the leadership is at the top of the Jaguars. No need yep. to disclose that information. But I think, um, you know, I think it, that, that that's a tell-all sign. I think Miami, you know, 
I think they want to pair someone if the two even plays. If not Fitzpatrick, they want to pair him with a uh, pair of running back with their quarterback, a good running back. And I think uh, they have Breda already, but I don't, you know, I don't really know what Breda can do. And they have Jordan Howard, so I think they're in need of Fournette. So I'll take it. I'll let you uh, interject, Cameron. Let me tell you how much I disagree with your take, Bryce, about not buying into the Steelers hype. Okay. The Steelers do, I read on it today, the Steelers do have a little bit about $4 million in cap space. So if Fournette wanted to work a deal with them, they could have it. When you look at the Steelers, they've of the best landing spots, they have arguably the best defense. So I always to make a championship run. The Buccaneers' defense is really good. People, p- people go and they're going to look at the numbers from last year and be like, oh, but they give up this many points and all this other stuff. We've got to keep in mind, their starting quarterback threw over 30 interceptions, so they were on the field more than almost any other defense in the league, which is why if you look at their numbers, they weren't as good. I'm telling you, the Buccaneers' defense is going to be really good this year. That's worth noting. I believe they did finish in the top 10, I believe, in the back half of the season last year, so yeah. But I do believe, uh, at least my take on my two teams that I think could sign the landing spots for Fournette, one, I, I do believe the Steelers. Now, I know we've, we have a stellar running backs, as Bryce wants to point out, Jalen Samuels, but the only time where he's really seen action over the past couple seasons is when Connor has been hurt, who has been hurt actually very frequently. He's a star when he's on the field, but he seems to be off the field more than he's on, unfortunately. And so I do like with the return of Roethlisberger, you know, we're going to need him to do big, but that will take a lot of the pressure off of him. But if not the Steelers, I like the Chargers to make a possible push. Something that'll take the pressure off rookie quarterback Justin Herbert. You know they parted with Melvin Gordon in the off season. They had a good little duo going with them and him and Eckler. And I don't believe Eckler is an every down back due to size. Yeah, so I agree. You, I like you that. You throw a bruiser like Fournette in there. I think the Chargers could make some noise. I like you make that. a good. Po- you make a good point because you know Fournette. It's it's safe to say he's one dimensional. He's not a pass catching back. He's in between the tackles, goal line. You know, run it up your throat type of guy. And I think I think him with Eckler, you know, you can have Eckler in on like check downs and like passing downs and change it back. I yeah, you've you've kind of that that you make a good point, Cameron. I, I thought him, you know, he makes sense on the Chargers more than people are willing to give him credit for sure. Yeah, I like the Chargers. I didn't even think about them, but that's that's a really good point, especially about taking some pressure off Herbert if he plays. Um, yeah, I like that. That's a really that's a really good call. So, and you got any other landing spots that that y'all could think of? Uh, I say the Chargers of the Dolphins, yeah. Cameron makes yeah. a good point with the Chargers. Char- the Dolphins definitely have the most cap space, so if Fournette just wanted to get paid, I mean, he could definitely go there. I don't think Miami would pay him. They're they're actually starting to use their brains a little bit. But So, Cameron, I, you, you sounded like you were a, a Steelers fan there for a sec. Are you? Oh, I absolutely am. Okay. Still current, baby. Yeah, I, I I like the Steelers this year. I think we did – so when the uh, when the schedule came out, me and my buddy ZG, we did an episode doing basically predictions for who's going to do what. And I, I think I had them at like 11-5, 10-6, somewhere in there. So I'm with you. I I, I think they're going to look pretty good. So 11-5 does sound about right. Um, the unfortunate thing, the Steelers are the only team in the AFC North now that – does not have a Heisman QB behind center for them with yeah. Baker, Lamar, and now Joe Burrow all yeah. starting in that league as well. You know, the, the ceiling is only so high for a team, though, that plays in the same division as Baltimore right now. They've got it going. Yes, they do. But but if, if Roethlisberger can even be almost like half of what he has been with the addition of Fournette, I do like – I think it puts him in the upper echelon of the AFC, pairing them with the defense. 
Yeah. TJ Watt off the edge with Minka and Devin Bush in that secondary. Yeah. Totally agree. And not only that, but they added um, – they drafted um, Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Big wide like receiver who's really going to be help. He's a he's a he's has the potential to be a one. Like I love Juju Smith Schuster. I don't think he's a one. I think he's more of a lineup in the slot kind of guy, more of a number two. Whereas you know, Chase Claypool, six four, runs a four five forty. So I, I'm I'm trying trying to remember the number, but so Chase Claypool, be a huge red zone threat. He basically ran the fastest forty for his size since Calvin Johnson. You know, so he's he's that kind of athlete who I think is going to be great on the outside for them. Yeah, I, I do like the addition of Chase Claypool. Four four two is what he ran in the combine. That was official, and for a guy that size, that is insane. It's ridiculous. So I, I, I like him, and I'm with you. Juju was at his best when he was paired with AB. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also part of Juju, it's hard to blame him though. His first full year at a number one, he did have Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges throwing to him. That is fair. That's a really good point. Seven or 16 games, I believe. So if, if Ben can stay healthy, it'll be interesting to see what Juju can do. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I was I was watching this other show the other day. No free ads, so I'm, I'm not going to name. I'm not going to name the show. Um, so, and basically, you know, the, the host was talking about, you know, people that have pressure to perform this year. And... So I've I've got a few teams here who I think really need to perform well this year. Uh, do you have some as well, or Cameron? The first thing that comes to mind, I think maybe the most obvious, is the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, they've yeah. they've really loaded up on offense, especially with the addition of C.D. Lamb. I mean, to pair with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the outside, I think. The pressure is mounting for them, and it's a big season for Dak. He's turned down the largest contract in NFL history before Mahomes, obviously. He turned that down, so obviously he's betting on himself this season. I think they've got a lot, and I can't think of the guy, Everett Golston, I want to say. I could be wrong on that. They signed, I think they signed him on the defensive line to go with that in that defense. I mean, when you look both sides of the ball, they're loaded, and I think they cannot afford another 8-8 eight and eight season. So what do you think in that? Like, what are you thinking for them record-wise? Personally, I think they're going 12-4. and four. I think they win the NFC East. I, as I, I do think they beat out the Eagles. I could be wrong if they're not in the East. I do think they beat out the Eagles. The Giants are not going to make any noise, I don't believe. Not a threat like that. I, I think they go 12-4. and four. Now, it's going to be tough if they can get past, see what Tampa's going to be. I mean, New Orleans, they seem to be plagued by any playoff team they play, so <laughs> – yeah, so okay, I, I agree on the Cowboys. Definitely have pressure to have a good year this year, especially talking about Dak and those guys. Especially Dak because I think a big reason why Jerry Jones hasn't offered him a contract is because Coach uh, McCarthy was like, "I just want I, I want a year with him. I want to see what he can do. Does he is he good enough to run my system? Does he kind of fit what I'm wanting to do at, at the quarterback position?" And so I'm just. A lot of pressure on him, and honestly, I'm I'm in the Cowboys go eight and eight because I don't like their secondary at all. I think their secondary is terrible. You know, they lost their best corner in in, in Byron Jones, uh, couldn't land Jamal Adams, and so you think they take the plunge on Earl Thomas. I think they do just because Jerry Jones yeah, loves I think, safeties. I think so too. 
Jerry Jones loves safeties, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were to were, were to go down that endeavor. I wouldn't, you know, a, a guy gets voted out of his own locker room in the NFL where brotherhood's a big deal. I just I, I wouldn't take a chance on a guy like that, no matter how good he is. Hey, Cowboys have proven that Jerry will take a take a chance on a player. Typically, when you look at it though, in a player like Earl Thomas' scenario, it's it's usually the third team that gets the better end of the stick. I mean, he, he had problems in Seattle. Well, they paid him. He had to cut. He had to cut ties. Baltimore offered him a big contract. Now they had to. They got to pay him and cut ties. Dallas is going to offer him not much, probably on a one-year deal. So it's really kind of a low-risk, high-reward. Similar to the AB situation, Steelers and the Raiders had to cut their losses on that situation. But the Patriots, I mean, that was kind of like a free trial. It didn't work out. Well, they cut him and kept it moving. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I th- I think uh, Jerry Jones has stated multiple times he wants to see another championship, another Super Bowl before he dies. And, <clears throat> you know, time's taken, Jerry. So I think he makes the plunge. On you, uh, Earl Thomas last year, when thrown to, he had one of the best incompletion rates. Like, quarterbacks didn't even like throwing towards him. He was questionable in the run stopping, but as far as passing goes, he was, you know, he's unquestioned. He's one of the best free safeties in the league when he's not hitting people. So, I think I think Jerry makes the plunge on him. I think he, you know, I think he takes it. So we will have to see. Yeah, I, I think he does too, just because he's Jerry Jones. I just personally, I wouldn't. So Bryce, do you have or Cameron? Do you have do you have any more teams that you think are, are under a lot of pressure to play well this year? Honestly, uh, pressure to play well. I think San Francisco. I think they're under. I think Jimmy Garoppolo specifically is under pressure to play well because you know what that defense is going to bring, and they have a strong run game. Yeah, uh, Debo Samuel seems to be an emerging star in that offense. Yes. I, he was trending upward towards the end of last season. I like him, but I mean, everyone remembers Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders for the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, and that stands out. I mean, they gave him a big contract. I think he he needs to rebound in a big way this year. Yeah. Um, so I love Jimmy G and. I mean, talking about the Super Bowl, I just think it's so unfair to judge a guy on one game, yet alone one throw. And look, if you watch it, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league, for three and a half quarters. Can't ask, I mean, like, you can't really ask for much else, right? And yeah, you know, he he missed the one throw, um, but I don't know, man. I, I just, I agree, especially, you know, to come back from that. I think it's more of a prove it to himself kind of thing. You know, because I, I think, you know, his coach does have faith in him. And, you know, the guys in that offense do have faith in him. And, you know, I mean, you know, if you want proof of how good of a quarterback he is, let's just point to, to when he out when he beat Drew Brees in that crazy duel when the, that, that they played down in, in New Orleans. And so, yeah, you know, and so hey, he's I, – I think he'll be fine. But I've I've heard other people say that, you know, he, he's under some pressure this year, especially with, you know, the, the, uh, the contract that he was given. So – uh, one more team that does come to mind as far as pressure, and I'm going to make it very, very point about this one. I'm not rooting for them, and I hope they crumble under the pressure. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I mean, they're they're one of my teams that I've got on, on my list. Yeah. Lamar needs to show up. He can show that he can prove that he can show up in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, didn't Baltimore have the most Pro Bowl players on their roster last year? I'm not sure, but that sounds about right. They had they had quite a few. It was them and the Chiefs. Yeah, definitely them or the Chiefs, but I, I want to say it was the Ravens. I feel like I've heard that, and they 
crumbled against the Titans just like they did against the Chargers. I mean, when you look at Lamar Jackson and what he's able to accomplish, you would think, oh, and two in the playoffs, okay, you've probably played the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Patriots. But no, it's the Titans, the Ryan Tannehill-led Titans, and the Phillip Rivers-led Chargers. And Lamar's got something to show in the postseason this year. He needs to step up. Yeah. What about you, Bryce? What what teams do you have for teams that you think need to have a good year? Did we already touch on the Bucks? We have not. Um, they're one of my other teams, but yeah, go ahead. You you take the I lead think, on that. I personally think, and call me crazy if you think so, but this year's Bucks or last year's Browns, you know, everyone – one of my buddies in class last year was like so high on the Browns he's like dude we got OBJ Jarvis Baker's gonna do his thing Nick Chubb Cream Hunt and I'm I just when I see people picking the Bucks in the Super Bowl this year I, I just have to sit back and laugh a little bit I think a lot of people you know aren't willing to face the facts that they are playing in the NFC South and so I I already have and this is coming from a Panthers fan I'm a huge Panthers fan I think the Saints are going to repeat again, you know. It's just that you'd be stupid not to think so, personally. And so, you know, Matt Ryan, and I think them and the uh, the Falcons and the Bucks will split the series one-on-one. Panthers, you know, they won't do much. They may they may give them a little bit of a challenge with McCaffrey on the roster. But I think everyone buying into the – outside of the defense, you know, I think the offense, you know, people are so high on Gronk. He hasn't played in almost two years. Gawain and Evans, you know, they, they do their thing, but – you know, Brady, as he transitions in more of like a game manager role, I think, you know, I don't think they can make out the NFC South alive. I think, you know, they're, I think their ceiling is nine wins personally. And that, you know, I, I realistically see more of a seven, eight win season. So um, I think the pressure is on them, though, because everyone is already making those Super Bowl favorites. And I think ESPN did like a Madden 21 like simulation. They had the Bucks win the Super Bowl. So. I think the pressure's on, and I think, you know, everyone's expecting the Bucks to be able to pull that out, but I think people need to take a step back and look at the facts. You know, you're playing against the Saints and the Falcons, you know. So, I don't know. I, I think the pressure's on the Bucks to see what they can do, but so. Yeah, so they were one of my teams as well who, who I think have a lot of pressure on them, you know, to, to perform this year. And I think they perform. Um, I think they're going to go 13-3, and three, somewhere around there. I think they're going to wow. be really good. You know, look, you know, just looking, looking – so the last time Tom Brady had weapons like he does now in Tampa Bay was in 2007 when he had Randy Moss and they went undefeated in the, reg- in the regular season. Not saying – now, obviously, Tom Brady's not as good now as he was back then. You know, I'm f- fully aware of that, but – he looks good, you know, in their clips when they're showing him in practice. He looks like he still has just enough arm to push the ball down the field. And even if he doesn't, you know, I mean, he's a master at the line of scrimmage. You know, he's going to come to the line. He's going to make his adjustments and then pick you apart, you know, that in that 5- to 10-yard to range if he has to. And, you know, Bruce Arians is a really good coach. He doesn't get enough credit. And like I said earlier, their, their defense, I think, is going to be really solid this year. And, you know, I think, you know, the Saints are going to be good. Obviously, you know, they'll win 11 or 12 games more than likely. I don't think the Falcons are going to be very good. And, I don't. I mean, it's not that I – don't, I don't think their record is going to reflect how good they will be, but I don't think the Falcons match up with the Buccaneers, and I don't think the Panthers do either. So I, I, I think, you know, the Buccaneers are going to – the Buccaneers are going to sweep the, the Panthers and, and the Falcons, and then they'll probably split with the Saints. If Todd Gurley can return to the Todd Gurley of old, though – things will get interesting yeah I just I don't like 
Atlanta's defense. That's really kind of where I'm more concerned than anything. Their their defense has been so injury plagued the past two seasons in a row. If they can put a healthy season together, they've got the pieces to be, I think, good enough. Now the ceiling is only so high, unfortunately, when you play in a division with two of the top predicted top teams in the NFC. That's that's rough on them, but yeah, they've got the offensive weapons. If that defense can just put it together, yeah, like the defense doesn't even have to be great. You know, it just needs to be average. And I don't I don't think it's average. I think it's way below. I wouldn't bet on them. I wouldn't either. And so, uh, Bryce, you, you have any other teams? No, that's about it. Uh, Cameron, I agree with the Baltimore Ravens, you know. Um, I think the Bucks are definitely a team. Um, I think people have high expectations for the 49ers, and they should. But I think, you know, people expecting them to be able to return back to the Super Bowl, I think they need to take, take a step back, you know. I think them in the same division with the Seahawks, at least, you you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't give them too much credit, you know, so – but those are my three teams, really. So that's we'll, it'll be interesting how uh, see how it plays out. Yeah, I, I would. I, I am interested. What's y'all's opinions on how do y'all think the Patriots will do this year? Um, I think they go seven to nine at best. I don't think they're going to be very good. I'm not a Cam Newton Newton guy. Um, he's not. Oh, man, very, he's sorry. not accurate enough to. He's not. <laughs> he's not very accurate, and that's like the number one thing you have to be in order to be a quarterback. Yeah, he, in the NFL. he's past his. He's he's past his prime, and I I love Cam. Just seeing him play the last three years has just been gut-riching, you know. I, it just – he put his body through the ringer, and, you know, he, he'll never throw the same. And I hope he proves me wrong. You know, I I think – I watched an interview today. Belichick was, you know, giving him high praise. So, we'll, we'll – he, he was never really coached in Carolina. He kind of – after he made a bad play, you know, Ron Rivera never dared to correct him, really. He kind of just let him do his own thing. And I think – Belichick, you know, will be the exact opposite. So I, I hopefully he brings the best out in him. But he's, I think he's 32, 31 now. You know, he's been he's been dealing with injuries the last three years. So yeah, and the, I think the Patriots have like there's been like seven or eight players set out, like starters set out from coronavirus. So yep, which I mean, Be- Belichick can get. I could probably be good in Belichick's defense, so I mean we'll see. <laughs> but um, I think he, I definitely think he brings the best out in some of his backups. But you know, seven, eight starters out, I, it's, it'll just be hard to, it'll be hard to overcome that. So, yeah. What do you think for him, Cameron? Yeah, that's kind of about what I, I I've got actually your record prediction. I got it flipped. I'm thinking nine and seven because the back half of their schedule is arguably one of the easiest schedules so I think if they can manage a five and five through the first 10 games I think that there's a possibility that they go uh, six and one in that last I think no I'm sorry five and one in that last six and one or whatever that was okay it's seven, whatever the 16 games is. I'm sorry <laughs> getting my math confused the college football is only playing 10 games it's kind of throwing me off now but I think they, if they can go five and five in the first half I think they can go five and one in the second half I got them losing to the Bills I when you look at their roster their roster did get worse. I believe that Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, um, one other that I'm not thinking of is sitting out on that defense, which really only leaves Stephon Gilmore out there. Um, as much as I love Cam, I got to say that is a downgraded QB from what they did have. And the Patriots really did a pretty bad job of replacing, the, like replacing weapons on that offense. I mean, unless Nikhil Harry steps up, which was super injury prone last year, there's really nobody on that offense that can help Cam out. Yeah, totally agree. So I, you all listed two of the teams that I had that I really thought were going to struggle this year, but I have one more, or not going to struggle, excuse me, that I think need to have a good year. 
and that is the Cleveland Browns. They need to have a good year. You know, it's time, Baker. Like you've got these weapons. The offensive line is good. The defense is good. You got you have a good head coach. So I like it's time. Like, you know, I've heard all this hype about Baker Mayfield. I've never bought into it. I don't think I think he's gonna be I think at his best he's an above average quarterback. Don't think he's a star. But I mean, you know, we'll see. Like you, you got all the weapons. You've got everything you need to, you know, to make a, to make a run. You know, to win 10, 11 games, and you know, we'll see. Um, I think they're nine and seven, ten and six, probably. So he'll he'll kind of live up to it. Probably get bounced in the first round as a wild card. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't, I don't see that happening. You know, I think, I think you know, with with Kitchens being fired and replaced, and I think with Monk going to UGA. I think they're at least two years away from competing, and that that's heavily re- relying on if OBJ decides to stay, which I don't have any faith that he will. And I mean, they're they're more or less a run-heavy team now with Chubb and Hunt. They made that very clear. So I I just I, you can buy into the hype. They have the weapons, you know. I just think they're coaching turmoil over the last four years. I just don't. I think it's so shaky. They don't have a good foundation. I just I I don't see them winning more than eight games. You know, if they win nine, I'd be impressed. It's definitely yeah, a fair criticism. I, I'm with y'all. Browns have been so bad for so long that I'm not going to believe that they're good until I actually see <laughs> them get good. I yeah, do like the fair. addition of I do like the addition of Austin Hooper at tight end, but I'm I'm with you. I'm, I don't buy into the Baker hype. I mean, when you look at him, he. He's a playmaker, but he's also proven that he's he takes a lot of unnecessary chances and he slings it into tight windows. And when you're playing in a, con- or a division that has a defense like Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I mean, you play that you're going to see them twice a year each. I, I don't know. I don't like it. I, I think they are at best. I think they go ten and six, bounce in the first round if they make the wild card. I mean, granted, they they do get a seventh seed. The NFL added a seventh seed this year, so it makes it a little more interesting, but. They need to step up, but I don't believe they will. Yeah, I don't I don't think that they will either. So, do y'all have anything else to add kind of for the NFL? Any any hot takes that y'all want to drop before we before we slide over into baseball? Uh Panthers are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, okay. do, do not quote me on that. I am totally kidding. I think we win maybe four games this year. That's the title. That's the title of the podcast. Panthers are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Please do not associate that with too many audibles. Uh, I know what I'm talking about. I do not. I do not think that at all. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> all right. Um, so Cameron has to go. Thank you so much, dude. Really enjoyed having you on. Um, I'm gonna have to. Hit, we're, I'm gonna have to have you on back on again at some point. So, yeah. I'm also. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's, it's been fun. This is the first time I've actually been on a podcast kind of running through. I've enjoyed it, talking sports with you guys. Definitely, I would love to come back on, man. Anytime, reach out to me. Yeah, man, it'd be great. I'm really, really looking forward to, to hearing your, your podcast on Friday, Too Many Audibles. And that's Before you go, it's going to be on Spotify and Apple. Like, where, where Where's it all going to be listed at? Spotify, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, you name it. We're, okay. Uh, we're going to distribute it heavy. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, both at Too Many Audibles, spelled exactly how it sounds. Go check us out. Cool. Thank you so much, Cameron. Bryce, you're, you're staying, right? I'm going to head out too, man. I appreciate okay. you having on the show. Yeah, um, it, was, it was great having you all. We'll uh, definitely, we'd love to have you on our show. You um, you did great with shouting us out and everything, and thank you so much for having us on. And uh, 
definitely want to collab with you again in the future, man. Sounds good. We'll, we'll definitely have to make it happen. Thank you guys so much. Um, like they said, go follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Too Many Audibles, and don't forget to check out their their premiere on Friday. So it, it should be good. Thank you so much, man. Hey, th- thank y'all. It, it was great. See you, buddy. See y'all. So with that, we're gonna move into our MLB stuff for the episode. Uh, this is gonna be pretty quick. Um, I had to make some money, so <laughs> so I've actually got an ad for another podcast that's that's currently going on right now. It is called Around the Diamond. They are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, they're all baseball all the time. They do different power rankings every week and things of that nature. So it's I haven't listened to them. I've heard only good things, though. So y'all should definitely go and check them out. Now to get into our baseball section, like one more thing. Um, their, their Instagram, if you want to check them out there, is at ATD with Jake and Thomas. You know, they do all, all things baseball, power rankings, reactions, all things like that. So, um, like I said, haven't listened to them. I've heard that they're supposed to be pretty solid, though. So, hopefully, you know, you guys will go and check them out. And so, MLB.com recently published an article talking about, you know, their their midseason All-Stars. You know, sadly, you know, the, the Midsummer Classic this year was canceled, and which really sucks. Um, but it's, it's all right, you know. Um so sadly, you know, there's no home run derby or anything like that. Even though, you know, if you watch the Cubs play the Reds, it certainly seemed like there's a home run derby. <laughs> so, like I was saying, MLB.com has come out with this all-star lineup kind of thing. And so some of these stats are a little dated because they, they published it a couple days ago. But, you know, I agree with most of the selections. I think they're pretty good. So, starting at catcher. So their, their AL starter at catcher was Pedro Severino, uh, catcher for the Orioles. He's slashing his batting average 333. On base percentage of 413 and a slugging percentage of 568. He's hitting really well. Definitely deserves to be the AL starter. And for their backup, they had the great Salvador Perez. It would have been his seventh straight year being an All-Star. Uh, his OPS right now is 838, and you know his nickname's the Cannon. So you know he's he's still throwing guys out, doing things like that. In the NL, the catcher starter they have is JT Romito, who's prob- probably the best catcher in the league. He's definitely you know a top two guy. Um, you know, he's slashing 289, 340, and 622, so he's having a really good year. Um, you know, OPS just just under 1,000. You know, I did that math pretty quick, so that, yeah, yeah, it's like 962. And um, back up, they have Travis, I'm going to butcher this last name, Travis D- Denard, uh, catcher for the Braves, 948 OPS. He's really kind of come out of nowhere. Um, but he's having a, a really good year this year, or a really good 30 games. That's a better way to probably say it. <laughs> At first base, um, Luke Voigt for the AL is the starter, unquestionably. You know, I think he's got 13 home runs on the year, which right now I think would be tied for the lead. Uh, he also has the, he's also leading the MLB in OPS at 1,115, which is ridiculous. You know, guy, guy who just hits the ball hard and really benefits from playing at a Yankee Stadium. So yeah, Luke Voigt, you know, the AL starter. Backup Jose Abreu. This article was written before he went crazy and hit six home runs in a series against the Cubs. So maybe, you know, you may want to flip the two. I'm probably going to go Luke Voigt just because he's been more consistent through the whole year. But, so yeah, Jose Abreu, uh, his OPS at the time this was written was uh, um, 1030, and he had 19 extra base hits. So a guy who's really been slugging the baseball this year. White Sox really good. Currently tied for first place in the AL Central with the Indians and the, oh man, and, and the Twins. I almost forgot about the Twins there for a second. Um, and then in the NL... So the starter they had there is Freddie Freeman, who's 
you know, he's batting 302 with a 427 on base and a 542 slugging. So another guy who's having a great year. As Freddie Freeman always does, man. Like he's probably the first, best first baseman. Excuse me. Probably the best first baseman in baseball. I mean, he's you know, he's a great hitter and you know, he's a, plays really well defensively. And then so they have the backup as Anthony Rizzo, which I agree with. You know, he's hitting, you know, 843 is his OPS and he's hit hit eight, hit eight home runs. Um you could say Goldschmidt, but just because they haven't played as many games, I think it's kind of hard to give him the nod over Rizzo. But you know, if you want to give it, to, you know, to Goldschmidt, then that's fine. But yeah, I, I'd probably go Rizzo though. That's that's not biased at all. And then for second base and the a, the AL starter, they have Brandon Lowe, which is fair. Um, batting two ninety five with a three ninety three on base and a six fifty seven slugging percentage, which is so crazy. And then DJ LeMahieu is the backup who has the league best four eleven batting average right now. You know, you know, me and ZZ were talking before the year started. He's definitely a guy who could hit four hundred for the year. So definitely keep you know watching him. Hopefully, you know he he can do it. Just because I want to see history. And then for the NL, the NL starter they have Donovan Solano of the San Francisco Giants, who's batting three fifty one with a three ninety on base and a five oh five slugging percentage. Just having a really good year. He's kind of come out of nowhere, too. I believe he's like 35. He's always just been kind of average. And, you know, it's baseball. You know, like you have 30-game stretches where you're just hitting, you know, out of your mind. And that's kind of what's happened to him so far this year. And then for the backup, they have Jake Cronenworth of the San Diego Padres. Um, yeah, he's been really good as well, hitting 342 with a 402 on base and a 608 slugging. Um, he's really good. You know, everybody on the Padres is raking right now, it seems like. Between Tatis and Hosmer and you know Machado as well, so and then a shortstop for the AL, for the starter they've got Tim Anderson, you know one of the best shortstops in baseball. His slash line's ridiculous, you know batting three forty nine with a three ninety three on base and a slugging percentage at six sixty three, which is really good. And then for the backup they've got Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays, whose OPS is ten sixty three, which is really good. You know Bo Bichette, you know going to be a future star for years to come. Then in the NL starter for shortstop, I mean, I think everybody knows this. Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, at the time this was published, uh, he was leading the majors in homers with 12, RBIs with 29, and total bases with 80, and in runs with another 29. But Nelson Cruz went deep again the other day, and I believe he's leading now with 13 in terms of like the, the home run race. So, yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr., probably going to be the, the, the MVP this well for the NL. I mean, he's just been really good. Breaking all the rules, making his own, swinging three zero, stealing bases up, stealing third base up seven. It's great. I love it. And then the backup, uh, Trevor Story of the Rockies, you know, batting average of three hundred three on base at three seventy, which is really good for him. I haven't checked his strikeout numbers in a while, but that's something that you know I know early on in his career he he's really struggled with. So three seventy on base seems like he's fixed that. I haven't looked at the numbers, but just solely based on that, I would assume you know he's definitely trending in the right direction there. And then, you know, he's slugging 615, which is what he's always going to do because he's a great hitter who can really hit hit for power. At third base, so they have the AL starter as Anthony Rendon, who's batting 316 with a 442 on base and a 541 slugging percentage. Just a great hitter, one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, the guy can really play. And then back up as well in the AL West, uh, Matt Chapman of the A's with an 849 OPS. He's got 20 extra base hits on the year, so a guy who's really swinging it well for an Oakland A's team that looks really good this year. NL starter, Manny Machado 
of the San Diego Padres, batting 280 with a 375 on base and a 568 slugging percentage. Guy's really good. I don't like him. I think he's a little bit of a punk, but that's okay because he's really good at baseball. <laughs> and um, you can be a little punkish if you're if you're as good as he is. So, and then the backup of JD Davis of the Mets, uh, who's also having a really good year. You know, batting 295 with a 417 on base and a 466 slugging percentage. And he's having a really good year as well. So, and then you know the outfield for the AL. You know, you can probably you can probably guess two out of the three of these guys. You know, the third guy. I guess kind of surprised me, you know, but when you look at the numbers, it's like, yeah, this guy's definitely uh, worthy of being an all-star this year. So Mike Trout, you know, best player in baseball, playing really well this year, doing what he does. Aaron Judge got off to a great start before he got hurt, so they've got him out there. And then Kyle Lewis of the Mariners, likely AL Rookie of the Year, you know, batting 360 with a 446 on base and a 568 slugging percentage. It's been really good this year. Um, you know, they've got him one in Rookie of the Year over Luis Roberts. That's what this is. Once again, this is not my list. This is what MLB.com came up with. I'm just kind of giving it to y'all because it's it's really good. You know, they they do great stuff over there. And then the NL starters for the outfield, they've got Mookie Betts, who's kind of got off to a slow start. He's really picked it up though. Uh, Eleven home runs. He's still in bases. He's doing what what Mookie Betts does. You know, pl- playing great defense. Um, they've got Mike Yastrzemski, who has currently the highest calculated WAR according to FanGraphs at 2.2 this year. He's really good as well. He's really kind of coming into his own. He's going to be a great player for the Giants. And then the their backup, out, oh, almost skipped a guy, a great player, and Bryce Harper, whose batting average is 321 right now, and his OPS is 1114, which is really good, which I want to see Bryce Harper get back to that MVP level that he was at in 2015. And, you know, he's a great player, and, you know, I'm really kind of hoping to see more from him. And then they gave the backup spot to Charlie Blackman solely because he was hitting 500, you know, a few weeks ago. So, so those are your outfielders, and then the DH and the AL, Nelson Cruz, I don't think you can really argue that. L- leading the league in home runs right now, 1088 OPS, um, 27 RBIs, you know, he's he's great. And then backup is Giancarlo Stanton, who has a 1038 OPS, and he's only hit three home runs, but you know he's hurt right now as well, that's important to note. But man, he was having a good year before he, he got hurt. And then this is... Something I'm really proud of, because <laughs> coming into the year, I was telling ZG on our our baseball preview episode how Jesse Winker was going to win the Silver Slugger in the in the NL for DH, and they have him as the starter. He's batting 299 with a 426 on base and a 584 slugging percentage. So the guy was having a really good year for the Reds, and then the backup they have is Dominic Smith of the Mets, who has an 1161 OPS and 16 extra base hits, and then pitching, you've got. For the AL starter, they got Shane Bieber, who's six and zero with a one three five ERA. Who's just he's been dominant this whole year. You know, ZG was on that. You know, and he was talking about him possibly winning the uh, the AL Cy Young. And then the backup or backup, I guess, uh, is Lance Lynn, who has a really surprising year for the Rangers. He's been really good with a one five nine ERA and a .86 WHIP. And so, I mean, look, both those guys have been outstanding this year. And then for the NL starter. This is a little bit of a, this guy's just got a big name kind of thing. Um, Jacob DeGrom of the Mets, you know, he's fifth in the NL in the ERA with a one nine three, And so, like, he's been really good. He's Jacob DeGrom. And then for the backup, this is something that I'm not a fan of. I think it should be Yu Darvish. Uh, it's extremely biased, but Yu Darvish just had a great year. He's not walking guys. He's striking a bunch of guys out. His ERA is under two. They give it to Trevor Bauer, who's also having a good year. His ERA is under two, but Yu Darvish has been really good. You know, he's really 
making a push for the Cy Young. And then relievers, so the AL starter, I'm doing parentheses around that. <laughs> this is just how they, they wrote it on their website. Uh, Liam Hendricks of the A's, you know, 117 ERA uh, with a .72 whip, and he's leading the MLB with nine saves, so that's pretty impressive. And then the backup reliever is Nick Anderson of the Rays. You know, he's gone nine and a third scoreless innings and a .54 whip, so he's having a really good year as well. And then for the NL, their starting reliever, once again, that's in parentheses, as Josh Hader, who hasn't allowed a hit or a run in nine and a third innings and has struck out 38% of the batters he's faced, even though he's walking more guys than usual this year. But, you know, he's not giving up runs, so that's really what matters. And then back up, Kenley Jansen, he leads the NL with seven saves and has a 1-4-2 ERA in 12 and two-thirds innings pitched. So that's going to do it here today for Overtime Takes. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen. Don't forget to go check out Too Many Audibles on Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, like I said, I know those guys, and they're they're going to put together some pretty quality content for you. So with that being said, that's it for Overtime Takes today. Once again, thank you all for listening, and I will see you all on the next episode.